Good evening and welcome to this live broadcast of Black Talk Radio News with yours truly, Scotty Reed. And tonight we got a couple of things that I want to, uh, information that I want to bring to you. But the main thing that I want to share with you is something I just recently, a term that I just recently was made aware of through like the, uh, actually the U.S. government through the Veterans Service let me know this term about moral injury and it's about this online group of veterans that meet who suffer from moral injuries and I had never heard of that term and those who know me I'm a vet um, served in the uh, Gulf War under the daddy Bush and y'all know they went back to Iraq uh, when his son came to power George W. Bush and so I got out when about in 90, 91, somewhere after the first Gulf War. So I've been dealing with the veteran service for a long time, and that's the first time I ever heard of anything called moral injury. So being the inquisitive person that I am, you know I had to look it up. Um, and it's deeper than what I thought. It's more serious than what I thought. Because my first thought was, after I read a definition is, I wonder is this why all these vets keep killing themselves these military veterans but then i later thought well cops also have a high suicide rate and so possibly what they suffering from is moral injuries and it and suicide is one of the symptoms a fatal symptom but it is one of the symptoms and it just gave me a whole new perspective on things that i've dealt with um, as it pertains to what I think about what I did when I served in the United States military, the U.S. Army to be exact for, what, um, six years? And I feel some kind of way about it. And I'm one of the few that I have seen in my social media circle who's willing to express shame, anger, guilt, those things that are associated with moral injury. So that's the main topic. That's the main topic that I want to talk about. And, you know, of course, if we're going to talk about veterans, let's talk about Ukraine as well. That You know, I might get censored for this, but who, who cares? Y'all know your boy been getting blocked on Twitter, just got restored by Elon Musk. Not that I'm a fan of his or anything, but... You know, um, I say what I, what I got to say. You know, I tell it like it is, which is the name of a podcast I have for my local area, dealing with local issues in Gaston County, um, North Carolina. Um, but so, yeah, I do want to get with um, this definition, this term, moral injury, and, and take a deep dive into it. It's really deep. You know, here are some of the things associated with moral injury, PTSD. Substance use or abuse, as some say, spiritual struggle, uh, family conflict, anger, depression, and um, suicide, um, which was shared by some sources I looked up that deal or do research on moral injury. And then that what's even more horrifying is they admit they don't know how to treat it. That's real. So I'm, I'm going to do a deep dive uh off into this, but I mentioned Ukraine, right? So Zelensky was on the media, you know, of course he's on his world tour when he's not in the media. I mean, he is 
um, by trade, a person who harnessed the power of the media, had his own company and stuff, and, and even controversially produced some propaganda for the Ukraine war. You know, talking about, what was it, the ghost of Kiev, some fighter jet, and they was using special effects. But anyway, that clown comedian basically did tell the truth. Now, some right-wingers here in the United States are taking his comments out of context where he said that the United States, NATO member countries are going to have to send your sons and daughters over there to die for some racist Ukrainians. And that right-wing government, fascist government, that uh, openly celebrates uh, Nazi collaborators in Stepan Bandera. I've talked about this in the past um, on different podcasts and the information. See, the thing about me is I'm nonpartisan. I do not take a partisan view of the world or of politics. Um, I do try to hear all sides, but um, I also, um, I'm pretty good at doing my own research, and I'm pretty good at knowing when someone hasn't done their research and they're running some kind of con or trying some kind of con. And so the right-wingers did take his comments. They clipped, you know, the video segment and took his comments out of context to mean, you know, he was talking specifically right now by uh, to the United States that we got to send our sons and daughters over there to die, you know, in a war, in a uh, war with Russia and its allies. Because it's not just going to be about Russia if the United States does more than what they're doing uh, right now. But what he was talking about was down the road. Now, he was selling some propaganda saying that their goal is to attack um, the Baltic states and other NATO countries. And so he was like, hey, y'all might as well jump in now because after they get through, you know, taking care of, taking care of this right-wing fascist government that I'm a puppet head for, uh, they coming for the rest of Europe. And that's just, there's no evidence to that. There's no evidence when Russia has offered peace terms on several occasions, most famously the Minsk Accords. See, what Western media want to do is ignore the Nazis in Ukraine, the racism, even though they were forced to cover, um, you know, the early days, the evacuation of Ukraine, how those Indian and African students were being treated. You know, it's no secret. Those people were racist. All right. And so they were forced to cover that, but they want to act like that was a one-off or or something like that. And this isn't a systemic problem. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's well documented, especially in the film Ukraine on Fire, um, produced by, uh, what's that guy's name? A real famous uh, producer. But just look up Ukraine on Fire. His name will probably come to to me later. Um, But yeah, so, you know, I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, and how might, again, going back to moral injury, how might this morally injure anti-racist soldiers that may be in the ranks of the U.S. military like I was and my friends were, um, you know, people that I met became friends and still in contact with them to this day. So us knowing, being the type of soldiers we were back then because we discussed the Rodney King rebellion, you know, when they let those uh, white cops get off for brutally beating this man, even though it was all captured 
on videotape. I mean, they they almost beat them to death, man. And and so we talked about that. What if we were deployed, although chances were unlikely since we were active duty military station over there in Hawaii, the occupied kingdom of Hawaii. Shout out to the revolutionaries in Hawaii. Um, but we talked about what would we do? Would we pull the trigger on our own people and, and what have you? So just think, how might a person like me feel about being deployed to a country that I keep up since I'm a person who keep up with the news and research it and, 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 you know, vet everything out. And when I find undeniable evidence that these are racist Nazis with tattoos, like I want to be in the same foxhole or having them watching my back. I definitely don't want to watch their backs because you know, that trigger finger might go up, whatever. But anyway, so, um, that, that would cause me a moral injury. What, what about you, especially my anti-racist, specifically African-American uh, brothers and, and sisters who served in the military? How, how would y'all feel about that? So um, let's see. I'm getting a message that I'm experiencing some performance issues. Try closing any other applications or browsers. I, I'm going to dismiss that, but the last time I did... A check again, trying YouTube again. Um, let me just close some of these things that I am I am not using. Let me close my radio station, um, the server page. And, um, so let me move on. So hopefully, you know, you're not experiencing too bad of issues. So um, that's the main topics. Do want to encourage you to make a donation to the nonprofit. Black Talk Media Project, BTR News is a media project associated with Black Talk Radio Network, and we do more than just Black Talk Radio Network. The vision is to use modern technology, new media, to be the media that we want to see, other than just complaining about the corporate media. And I do plenty of, of complaining about it. It's, it's really unethical. And interestingly, they're mentioned as a profession where you can suffer a moral injury because it deals with your core principles, your quote-unquote moral principles being brought into conflict, you know, being confronted on the job. And, and how do you handle that? Um, and so some people, it comes up later. Um, so anyway... Moving on, but before I get into the main topics, there are some other news. We will call some of it political news, entertainment, and culture items that caught my eye over the past week. And it seems that reports are true that the Mississippi Republican rhinos, and I call all Republicans rhinos because they're far from the founding of the anti-racist, anti-slavery uh, beginnings, the platform uh, when when it first put first its fourth he was a racist, though, but put first their fourth, first anti-slavery candidate, and that was Abraham Lincoln. So anybody, and then the Republicans of the Reconstruction era that passed the 13th, 14th, you know, and the other amendments dealing with racism and white supremacy uh, in, the, in federal law. And um, so I call them all rhinos. I call them all rhinos because they're the exact opposite today. Um, and, and some of the Democrats are basically old school Democrats who were definitely for slavery, racism, and white supremacy and all of that. Again, I'm a nonpartisan person. 
You can't put me in a box politically. Excuse me. So let me just play this clip um, real quick. Quick, I saw uh, this young African-American lady, young woman on, young lady on TikTok, and she did a, her a report. And let me just go ahead and share the audio of that report uh, with you all. So because I went and did confirm that I was if she said she did her research, that somebody else told her about it. She did her research. And so I saw her video. So I did my research. So it's been triple confirmed. So this is what she had to say in the original TikTok video. Jim Crow could come back in Mississippi. I wish I was being facetious. I'm not. I saw a TikTok about this by another creator and I was like, I'll do some research on this because to essentially call a bill the reincarnation of Jim Crow is a really high bar. Unfortunately, this bill, which already passed the state house, reaches that bar. This is black Mississippi. This is white Mississippi. Jackson, the capital, is right around there. Not only is it the state with the highest percentage of black people, but Jackson is the second blackest city in the entire country. The bill, which is now on its way to the Senate, creates a new district in the state and a new court system where judges are appointed, not voted in. The blackest city in America. Black residents will not be afforded their full right to vote. Instead, judges and prosecutors will be appointed by the white Republican chief justice and the white Republican state attorney general. Republicans in the state have already made it clear that they hate Jackson and its people. The current governor campaigned on withholding state funding from the city and said that it was always a great day not to be in Jackson. And legislators like this one have made it clear that they don't want a black judge ruling on state cases. And of course, these new courts would hear state cases, not the ones that were elected. Also on cases including eminent domain, which is what allows the government to take private property from their constituents, and a number of other matters that are bound to disproportionately affect the black residents in Jackson. And we need to be so fucking loud about this so that this doesn't get passed and that we don't see copycats in other states. It is a disgusting, racist, patronizing, white supremacist act that we cannot allow to pass. And I certainly agree with her. As I mentioned, I did my research and I found not a lot of articles on it. I found two articles. I'm sure it was more, but that turned up at the top of the search um, was one from The Guardian and one from CNN. And um, so I went to the one from The Guardian, which is actually a lot of people don't know is a right wing UK, but they're more moderate than what we're used to, you know, the MAGA right-wingers we have here in the United States. So um, let me see if I can pull that. Yeah, here here's that article. Let me pull that up. Uh, revealed Mississippi bill would carve out separate judicial district for 80% of the white residents in majority black city. You, you have to excuse me. I think some of this pollen... Um, has hit me um but yeah um so let me just read a, a small expert in excerpt and this article actually came out in february uh, middle of february uh, we're in march now but 80 percent of the white residents in mississippi's majority black capital city will be included in a proposed new judicial district with hand-selected prosecutors and judges an analysis by the guardian has found leading to further allegations of deliberate racial prejudice in a republican-backed bill the measure would increase the geographical size of an improvement district in the downtown area of the city of Jackson. We're talking Jackson, Mississippi. 
um, from 7.8 square miles to 25 square miles. It would create a new unelected judicial district. So we're talking about the criminal justice system. Um, judicial, uh, unelected judicial district within the city with two judges, two prosecutors, and two public defenders. Um, the judges would be appointed. This is the key right here. Again, these are unelected judges. Now, I don't know about Mississippi's constitution, and I didn't um, think to look it up, but I do know a little bit about other state constitutions, particularly North Carolina state constitution. The U.S. constitution deals with the elections of judges, and this is a key area of government is the criminal justice system, and, um, you know, people elect these district attorneys or prosecutors, whatever you call them in this district. So in, in, in creating this special judicial district in the city of Jackson, Mississippi, uh, the judges would be appointed by Mississippi's chief Supreme court justice, Michael K. Randolph, a conservative who is white. The prosecutor would be appointed by the state attorney general, Lynn Fitch, a white Republican. I don't know if Lynn is a man or a woman, but hey, uh, genders, all genders participate in racism, white supremacy. I'm not calling these people specifically racist or white supremacists. I would need to do more research on them, but they are backing what is rightly being called um, a power grab by white people to take power uh, especially not only the power of the vote and representation, but also, you know, just your basic constitutional rights. Okay. So it, it's just crazy. Um, let's see. The district would be policed with an expansion of the Mississippi Capitol slave catchers. I, I mean, police whose chief Bo lucky is white. In a role appointed by the Mississippi Commissioner of Public Safety, Sean Tindall, who is also white. And they want to carve out this judicial district. And it wouldn't just include, it wouldn't be all white, although it, it seems like it would be majority white. It would be some black people carved out into this district as well. I think it may also be some classism involved here because most property located near downtown um is 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 higher value you know higher um real estate value the closer you are to downtown or whatever so we have to consider economics here as well all right but for we could even go outside of something mr neely fuller talked about this is an issue that has to be debated in the public square. We're on social media. I'm streaming to you on social media. I'm streaming to you through a digital radio station, blacktalkradionetwork.com. All right? That's different, where we can share our thoughts and, and opinions. But according to Mr. Fuller's suggestion that I think it is very constructive, when we go to the public square, that what I'm talking about is like town hall meetings, these special meetings, city council meetings, whatever. Um, it has to do with somebody who was elected or even appointed. 
Because appointed people have press conferences or have meetings and stuff where they can be addressed by the citizens as as well. And and so what what it, the core thing that's going on, I lost my train of thought. I'm not even going to try to play it off. But do y'all not see what's wrong with that? We're supposed to be able to elect our leaders. And so, yeah, what Mr. Fuller was talking about, a codified way is to not use the R word. Don't bring up race. Is there any other way, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, that you can describe the problem without using racism? So that requires you to expand your vocabulary, right, so that you can find other words because that word triggers suspected racist, white, suspected racist it triggers them and then like mr fuller said it's a shouting match no you're the racist for bringing up race and 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 then it becomes very unconstructive use of our time so what's a way that we could describe this well describe it in terms of freedom you know in terms of democracy in terms of what are they trying to do create this little fascist fascist dictatorship within the city of Jackson where the the judges and the prosecutors aren't elected by the people and supposed to be working for the people. No, these will be judges and prosecutors appointed by the chief justice in the state Supreme court and other uh, uh, people holding um, uh Positions within the government, as talked about in in this article, which would include the police chief, because they're going to expand, you know, the slave catching unit. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, the police. And so, I mean, there's many angles you can look at that, but it's true. It's all true. And so, um, I suspect there should be some lawsuits forthcoming. But again, on my own personal experience thus far. When confronted with a clear violation of your civil or constitutional rights, federal and state, there's not a whole lot of lawyers out there that's going to help you take your case through the courts to get relief. That's what, what I'm finding. As a black man, you basically have to get shot and killed or severely maimed in order to get a redress for your grievances. Just simply snatching you up off the street and making you a slave for however long without probable cause, without you breaking any laws or anything, just no reason for it other than something that ain't constitutional, then, hey, I'm finding this very hard. It's very hard to find those type of of judges. And so... Perhaps we need to be training new lawyers. And speaking of Jackson, um, Chokwe uh, Lumumba, the son, is the city. And I believe he was attorney following in the footsteps of his father, who was an attorney um, who got most of his notoriety notoriety from representing people like Asada Shakur, you know, political prisoners within the United States. So, um, yeah, it's true. And I definitely wanted to to um, bring that to the Black Talk Radio News audience. Okay, so let me check out what's the next thing that, that caught my eye that I wanted to share with you. 
Let me go back to blacktalkradionetwork.com. And oh, by the way, I'm doing something new with the, the podcast as well as the live broadcast. Instead of people calling in while you're in the flow, you trying to disseminate information because you only got so much time to disseminate this information and calls can interrupt that flow and then you don't get everything out. I will take calls, but that'll be the last segment. But you can call at any time to the phone number for BTR News, which is 704-218-9194. That's 704-218-9194. Leave a voicemail message asking a question or making a comment about anything that you heard on this particular podcast or during the live um, stream. So again, that number 704-218-9194, and we'll play it during the last segment, the last segment, and um, and address, you know, what's on your mind or let, let you speak your piece on any of these topics. So the next thing that I want to bring to your attention, you know, um, media. You know, Black Talk Media Project was founded on the statement, if I could say that, a statement made by Malcolm X, an observation that he made. And the observation that he made about the media was, he said it was the most powerful entity on the face of the planet because it controls the minds of the masses. And that's true. It is it, documented. It's been researched. It's been proven. And I don't care what type of network, especially commercial network, corporate network you're watching, there's bias. There's bias. There's disinformation. Um, there is, because those are just extensions of the political parties. And we only got two. You know, a bird got got two wings and they flying, this bird is flying around, crapping on everybody. So, um, in some regard or another. So everybody do have some legitimate gripes, but that just really stuck with me. It is very powerful and it enables you to tell your own stories as a oppressed people. It allows you to bypass the media censorship and the controls and just, you know, tell it like it is and get the information straight out to the people or stuff that is not even controversial or it shouldn't be but it's just simply not covered um, by the corporate media because, again, these are just extensions of the political parties and they got other um, agendas, okay? Um, and and so, media, media I, I was probably pronouncing this name wrong for years because I've known of this news media organization and I believe it is a nonprofit. It may or may not be. I believe it is. Um, and... I became aware of it back in 2008 when I founded Black Talk Media Project, the nonprofit media organization, to try to harness some of this power for good instead of evil. Um, but anyway, media, media eight, media eight. They're tra- they're playing on words here. They're talking about the media, and they're like they're mediators, like they're going to mediate. Your consumption of media. They're going to explain stuff to you. That's sort of what I do. I would give you notes from corporate sources and then I put my spin on it. Or I bring my perspective to it and bring in other sources where I read this and that. Uh, um, but 
I came across this blue check mark media company on Twitter again, just recently got our Twitter account restored. Shout out to our followers on Twitter. Again, we were some of the early users of Twitter, especially using it to promote our podcast and digital radio streams. Um, that's how far back Black Talk Media Project has been on harness, you know, on the game of, of using this new technology to do what we need to do um, with the media. But this checkmark company, Media 8, um, that gives news and opinions about the media was caught by me and other people, but I called them out with the strongest evidence um, on Twitter, pushing disinformation about the U.S. government not funding neo-Nazi elements in Ukraine. And no other so-called fact-checking organizations fact-check them. Um, when it is a well-documented fact that the U.S. government was and still is possibly. From the last time I did a report on it, I believe Congress had lifted that ban on funding the neo-Nazi elements that corporate media want and some of these lying politicians want to claim don't exist in Ukraine. They exist all throughout that government and military. Again, did I remind you of the images we got out of Ukraine when the bombs was falling and how those, those uh, black people, melanated people, black and brown people, different nationalities from Africa and India were mistreated. Based on the color of their skin. That's systemic. I didn't hear Zelensky come out and, and call those people out. And how, how dare you? That's not the way of Ukraine. And all. No. No, he didn't. He, he never said nothing about it at all. And the only time he did say something about them Nazis was on Fox News when he admitted to Brett Baer. I played the clip. I, I shared it. I made a TikTok out of it where um, he admitted that the Azov Battalion are Nazis. And in that same Fox News interview, he said that they are heroes of Ukraine. Well, that came, brought on a new significance, that term hero of Ukraine, when he called them that. Because it was only today I realized that that's an official war, a war that they posthumously to this dead uh, Ukrainian nationalist, white supremacist, who collaborated with Nazis, Nazi uh, Germany, to exterminate Jews in Ukraine, Stepan Bandera. And they gave this dude this award, the heroes of Ukraine. So you can't kill Zelensky, a lion, by calling them heroes of Ukraine. But who are their heroes of Ukraine? Who is the one that they place above all others? And that's Stefan or Stepan, however they pronounce it, Bandera. And I link to this on, you know, the uh, blog entry for tonight's broadcast and podcast on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Um, again, that headline is, what is a moral injury and how does it affect vets and cops? But right now, just going through um, what's in the news, but it, I should take a upcoming break here in just a bit. Um, I have to be careful what I share here on 
on uh, Zuckerberg's platform because I don't want to get in any trouble uh, with the copyrights and stuff. That's the only thing YouTube really got over them is that you can uh, share that stuff and it won't be count against you. Won't count against you. So that's the only good thing about YouTube. You can share copyrighted music because I, hey man, I, I got some meme mixes, man. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take a break. Go ahead and take a, a bathroom break. Actually, we're just at the half halfway mark. No, I don't believe so. I'm going to go ahead and take a break anyway. I do need to hit the head. I know that might be too much information, but uh, that's what it is. And I'll be back on the other side. I hate to leave y'all with this elevator music, but I got to do it. You are tuned into BTR News with Scotty Reed, part of the Black Talk Radio Network and supported by the Black Talk Media Project. Make a donation today to support independent media.
Have a question or comment for the host of BTR News? Leave a voicemail message right now by calling 704-218-9194 that is 704-218-9194 and we'll air it during the last segment of the show. Stay tuned, we will be right back. And I'm right here and that number again is 704-218-9194. You can leave a voicemail at any point of the show on any topic and we may play it at the end on the very last segment before we close it out for the broadcast. All right. So once again, that number 704-218-9194. And of course, you can go to Black Talk radio network and um, make a donation again we're um giving art gifts in exchange for donations of twenty dollars and more um so i'm actually going to come up with um a special program fundraising program for that to last throughout the years where i'm sharing more than just those four from my children african series as you can see behind me on the video for those on the video stream it's actually 12 of them it's 12 of them, but I got more art outside of that. Um, so, yeah, I'm going I'm to, you know, come up with some gifts, T-shirts with some of the art on the front um, so we can help fund the media because the media ain't worth a darn, man. They they gaslight you. You know, that's a good term to describe the media. Depending upon what their politics are, not what your politics are, your politics determines what you're going to watch. But determining the politics of the network and who they are, what political party they're aligned with, they're going to give you some disinformation. Okay? They're going to outright tell lies. And I just don't understand partisan people who otherwise seem like intelligent, critically thinking people, but they can't be critically thinking about stuff with some of the positions that they're taking and the stuff that they're supporting in terms of government policies. it does not compute. It's a contradiction. So, yeah, let me pull up. Oh, for, for those that want to follow um, Black Talk Radio on Twitter, that's our Twitter handle, handle at Black Talk Radio. So let me open up that particular thread where Media 8 was sitting up here trying to call out Tucker Carlson and... Um, your comedian turned so-called progressive, but I, I I got questions about Jimmy Dore and what have you. And I know, um, what's her name? Um, Gabby from Hawaii. I can't, she ran for president um, at one time and she does believe in progressive policies and whatnot, but I just can't come on. I, I couldn't go on Fox news with racists like Tucker Carlson or any of those other racists on Fox News and have a conversation with them. I I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? No. But anyway, this is what Media 8 8 put out. I hate to agree with you, but I do. Tucker Carlson co-signs Jimmy Dore's baseless, keyword, baseless claim of U.S. arms Nazis in Ukraine. Basis claim that the U.S. arms Nazis in Ukraine. And so on their website, which I'm not going to give to you, you know, you follow follow me on Twitter. You can find the thread uh, where I'm replying to them and I'm saying to them, 
except that this has been reported on for many, many, many years, and it is sad to see the so-called fact-checkers outright lie about those Nazis in Ukraine. And I included images from mainstream media that has been reporting on this since 2016, maybe even before. You know, I've done other segments on it, and uh, some of those articles went kind of far back. So here's a couple of articles. I did this search on February the 28th on a Tuesday afternoon, exactly one minute afternoon. And um, these are some of the headlines. I'm going to give you the dates of the headlines. Neo-Nazis not top of mind for Senate Democrats pushing weapons for Ukraine. Top foreign policy maker Senator Bob Menendez couldn't say whether his bill would monitor where U.S. funded arms end up. That was in February of 2022. That was over a year ago, Media 8. Talking about people making baseless claims. That's disinformation. That's disinformation. And I'm sure that you probably was all on board, you all, you know, because your organization was all on board with the disinformation board. Proposed by the Biden administration, this this draconian um, board that determines well who's telling the truth and who's lying and and all this and that and liars ain't the ones to be the arbitrators of the truth. Okay, and the governments do lie. People in governments lie. So that was from the Intercept in 2022 February. Then January 2016, the Jerusalem Post, the Jerusalem Post, right? Because if anybody's going to be reporting about Nazis anywhere in the world, that's going to be Jews in Israel, right? So this is a Jerusalem Post newspaper. Of course, they had an online publication. U.S. lifts ban on funding neo-Nazi Ukrainian militias. Who is that? The Jerusalem Post is that source. So media aid out here talking about baseless claims. Uh, is he going to call? Are they going to call out the Intercept, the Jerusalem Post? What about the Global Times? Um, and it don't matter. I was watching some hearings, uh, what they call it, the weaponization of government, these Republican hearings. And there's some very interesting things coming up. But it's also a lot of contradictions uh, coming up as well in terms of freedom of speech. But I could do a whole segment on just that, so I'll, I'll say that. But they try to call out the Global Times as saying, oh, China reported about this in Ukraine or whatever. I believe it was Matthew Gates, and these are again despicable characters on the right that that they're using to sell you on this Ukrainian propaganda, pro-war propaganda. Okay, these are despicable people, but the truth stands alone. Either they these are facts and have been verified, other than them saying it, or they're not. So Global Times is just as good a source as any on something like that. And it says Global Time investigates. Evidence suggests U.S. may have supported neo-Nazi Azov Battalion, the one that President Vladimir Zelensky admitted to in an interview with Britt Bayer 
on Fox News, and he's supposed to be the straight news guy. Um, but anyway, he's just a script reader, a puppet, sock puppet. But um, he asked a tough question. His producers had him ask the tough question, and I was shocked that they even asked the question. And, you know, it's like we in Bizarro World. We got Democrats supporting Nazis or trying to hide the fact that Nazis and the right-wing fascist um, government, conservative government that Zelensky heads, which just outlawed democracy in Ukraine by banning all political parties and you got Democrats trying to hide that and drum up support, including U.S. tax dollars for that. But then it's the Republicans, and again, despicable people, but them not wanting to back the Nazis in Ukraine. It's like they'll back U.S. Nazis and, and you know, fight for their freedom of speech, freedom to terrorize and practice white supremacy, and terrorism comes in many forms. Uh, verbal terrorism is it, it, uh, very oppressive and it, it leads to things in uh, um, action. Words lead to action, okay? That's just how the universe works. But in, anyway, um, he admitted. He, that's the name of the battalion, Azov. And then some of the reporting I was getting from some of these uh, alternative news sources like independent journalists was uploading their stuff wherever they could. If you're on YouTube, they destroyed, you know, they worked the algorithm. You won't see it on Facebook. I never saw it on Facebook or or even Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter like that. Um, but they are suppressed, you know, a, a lot of videos, but I've seen reporting where they had captured fighters Ukrainian fighters made them strip off their clothes to show the world, look at these Nazi tats all, all over these people. But then you want to have people like Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden try to whitewash this. Like, like we didn't see what we saw. Like, that's Russian propaganda. Come on now. And then you have your useful idiots. They know it's a lie, but they... they more about they belong to a gang and they got to carry the gang line. You know, I, you might call them parties, but they do operate like lawless gangs at times. So one more article, right wing militias backing the Ukraine military. So that was the Washington Post, right? A lot of liberals y'all cite the Washington Post as a credible news source. So what the heck is mediate? talking about and why are they trying to gaslight people into saying that this is a complete lie this has been reported on for years john conyers may rest in power john u.s congressman out of michigan john conyers was the one who put the ban in place him and Ro Khanna. and Ro Khanna, i'm talking about the democrat out of uh, California uh, supported the ban. I think he co-sponsored the ban um, with Conyers. Jumped on board with the bill, to, to, and it passed. So this was prior to 2016. But what is Ro Khanna doing today? Oh, he, he he ain't say nothing when they lifted that ban because, you know, now the news reports is coming to him. He ain't saying nothing about it. Like, see no evil, hear no evil. You know, speak no evil. We're not going to speak about what we're not showing people and telling people. We're not going to speak about that. They don't exist if we don't speak about it. 
Oh, they exist. And again, this is a moral, this should be a moral injury to you as a taxpayer, as a person in the military who might down the road, God forbid, you get deployed to go fight alongside these racists who just as soon as shoot you in the back as they would watch your back. All right. So that's, that's again, the main topic is moral injury, man. And we're going to get deeper off into the definition and how it's being, you know, described. And, and the most alarming thing is there's no cure for it. They have no treatment for moral injury. And it just explains so much that has gone on with me since I got out. I got out the military right after I came back, months after I came back from the Gulf War. Um, terrible experience in the military. And I also think that this may play a role into why the military has such trouble recruiting. Family see their family member come back and be all dysfunctional, depressed, PTSD, substance abuse, depression, be angry, then get into conflict with the family. They see that. Moral injury caused by something they was made to do or made to witness and then threatened with jail if they exposed it. You know, like Bradley Manning or Ch- I, I forget me. He he um is a transsexual person and and she goes by a different Chelsea Manning. Um locked up, been locked up, probably in horrifying conditions, okay, for being a whistleblower. Where's Edward Snowden? He had to flee the country when he revealed the spying the U.S. government agencies are doing. Then they want you to be worried about TikTok and the Chinese Communist Party having your personal information. They have a user agreement just like all these other apps have. And we should have the freedom of choice. And they try, there's a lot of propaganda surrounding that. Okay. And targeting them. I think it's because TikTok is a relatively easy and effective piece of app to create media for people to tell it like it is. I see no other reason for the U.S. government to want to ban it. Because you, if you're talking about, unless you're talking about a government issue phone, right? Then you wouldn't want any leisure apps on those phones. So that should be banned from Jump Street and probably work. Okay? So all the rest of this stuff is just hype and propaganda. But, um, yeah. So um, what's the last thing I want to share with you? Uh, the last thing, and this dealing with culture, the actor and former rapper Ice-T, a.k.a. Tracy Lauren Myro took a jab at today's generations of rappers calling them soft and goopy. And some hip-hop old heads like me don't agree with him 100%. I agree with him on the goofy part. Man, some of the stuff Kanye was wearing, not only in videos, but when he was in the Alex Jones, on the Alex Jones show, that white supremacist show that I've seen other black people on, uh, running with these white supremacists collaborating with them. Um, but the gimp mask that he had on, on there praising, praising Nazis. He's very goofy, man. Very goofy. The oversized boots, galoshes, 
look like they belong on cartoon characters. You know, the big giant puffy suit he was in one video um, with. The rapper's wearing uh, Astro Boy anime boots in real life. Um, and, and I mean, I would call that goofy. I, I would agree with him that some of the styles of some of these people is, is very goofy, you know, because hip-hop is used to be known for its impeccable style but or groundbreaking style, but now it's like anything goes. You know, it's not clean and fresh anymore. It, it may be clean, but it ain't fresh. It's clownish and, and what have you. And And so, but I agree with him on that. But in terms of them being soft, he must not turn on the radio. He must not be listening to the local FCC, supposed to be regulated, um, terrestrial radio station playing rap music today. Because I would call them boys anything but soft. And I don't listen to it. And, and when I say boys, I should also mention the women as well. Men and women are still talking about Ice-T, if you don't know, and I think you know. Uh, still talking about shooting N-words, so talking about shooting each other because they self-identify as N-words and bitches and hoes and all of that good stuff. And that type of stuff, and they talk about going hard on each other, shooting each other, stabbing each other, running them over with a car. Uh, all kind of violence uh, being promoted by these boys talking about hundred round clips and spraying up the neighborhood or the street or the block and not even care. And then some of these people are embraced by corporate America. Yeah. They pay them big bucks to make a jingle for maybe McDonald's or, or star in a Pepsi commercial. And, all that usage of the N-word, all of that misogyny, all that violence, it don't matter to these corporations who then out the other side of their mouth talking about Black Lives Matter. Now, I tried to talk to Kwabana uh, Rasuli today, um, and hopefully he um, called back in and left a voicemail because I did talk to him, but I had an issue with recording since, again, I'm doing this new setup um, here and it wasn't good so I think he may have called back in um, and um, hear his thoughts on it alright for those that don't know Kwabna Rasuli he's been a frequent guest on Black Talk um, Radio News and he has Clear the Airways Project and collaborates with other organizations trying to address all this hardness because that ice t want to talk tell people to go hard like they soft these boys soft back in the day we used to talk about about uh uh blowing inwards heads off oh they still talking about that ice t so i don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about they soft but let me read what ice t said uh what did he say let me find that um See if I can find that. Ice-T, a.k.a. Lauren Marrow, is lying. He got, Yeah, he was talking about why he got out of rap. So this is his quote before I play Quabina's comment. Um, um, and again, you can leave a voicemail message at the telephone number. What is it? 704-218-9194. We'll play it during the last segment. Any questions, comments you have related to 
anything that we touched upon during the broadcast. So um, this is what Ice-T, a.k.a. Um, Tracy, had to say. There was a point where I was selling tons of records. Then it cooled off. I felt a certain way. Then I realized Public Enemy, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, and Wu-Tang Clan weren't selling records either, he explained. There was a paradigm shift. These kids got softer, and soft is not something I'm able to give audiences. <laughs> wow, the machismo, right? Um, the, or the toxic masculinity oozing from that. I'm just so hard, I can't give my audience, I can't be up there and share a tender moment with them or, or talk about just having fun. I got to talk about shooting N-words. Um, yeah, so he says, uh, the first word in hip-hop is hip. So how something stays hip for over 10 years is difficult. Well, gangster rap has certainly lasted over 10 years, and it has uh, branched out into stuff they call Drill rap, which is extra violent, you know, born born it um among the gangsters of Chicago. You know, that's why I heard drill rap came from. And it's yo, they anything but soft. You know what I'm saying? And and um so Ice T, you know, I didn't know this about him, but he was an actual gangster in New York City. For some reason, I always thought he was from L.A. or or the West Coast, but no, he's from the, uh, New York City, where he sold dope and might have been a pimp, you know, because doing his or at least his rap persona pretended like he was a pimp and what have you, um, um, you know. So the misogyny was strong with his act and what have you. Um, but that for him to say, you know, that that don't make sense. He can't be watching TV, but I think he's lying. I think he's lying about why he fell off, to use hip-hop terms, why he fell off. Because, like somebody else mentioned on social media, um, Joy White had, had mentioned, one of my subscribers on Facebook had mentioned, you know, um, he can't recall any big songs for him to even be mentioning uh, Ice-T to be even put in the same category or stratosphere as those that he named. Certainly not Public Enemy, Chuck D in the crew, uh, Rakim and Eric B, certainly not. Big Daddy Kane, no way. And the Wu-Tang Clan, Clan, who I wasn't, I'm not really into the Wu Tang. I'm more into more conscious stuff and the earlier hip hop. Although I do like some of their beats, but I really can't tell you a lot about their music and what they talk about in their music. But Public Enemy, Rakim, and 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 Eric B, Big Daddy Kane, yeah, definitely um, can tell you about that. So, you know. Just so that there's no confusion, corporate media and those in control of the media determines what's here. Yeah, in the street, we do come up with these new styles, new techniques. It's a part of a developing culture, um, you know, the uh, uh, progression of people and whatever, the arts, whatever, sciences, what, whatever. Um, but the conscious stuff is what got phased out. I'm, I'm getting hot, man. Uh, the conscious stuff got phased out. 
All right. And but the killing, all of that, the murder music, they kept it. It did not disappear, my brother. And I think he know that. I think he just making excuses for why he fell off. What y'all think? Okay. So, um, and then it was also pointed out how he went from cop killer. Remember that was the rap song he was most known for. Um, I think the Republican party got shook and they was, oh, he killed somebody killing, uh, police and all that. And then, so I guess the systems counter to that was, well, let's go offer him a role in, in, in this TV cop series. And he could play a cop on TV and he won't be out there in the rap world talking about killing cops. And I think Joey said he'd been doing that role of Detective Tuola, whatever his name is. They call him Finn in, in uh, Law and Order SUV. And he's been doing that for 41 years. That's been his main bread and butter. That's how his check, check been cut. And you would think he would have matured. I know he's in his 50s. I'm 56 he might be younger than me, could be older than me, but I know he in his 50s, right? He in the 50 and over crowd, right? You would think he would mature. Oh, I can't be hard. I can't I can't get an audience. I got to be I got to be hard. I got to talk about killing and shooting people and busting heads to the white meat and all of that, man. Come on, man. Really? And then, you know, you're lying. You know these kids out here talking about uh peeing in a cup and making a, making his girlfriend, that's the baby out of Charlotte, making his girlfriend drink the pee. And, oh, man, it's all kind of crazy stuff in hip-hop today. That's embraced and promoted by the corporate media, which determines what's popular by putting something in rotation. If you put something in rotation enough, you'll start singing it. You're, I kid you not. When I was a teenager, I worked at Cracker Barrel. And Gastonia, North Carolina, right off of I-85. And I wash dishes, right, and bus tables. And, of course, they playing country music. And then sooner or later, you catch your, you, you can't help but know the songs, know the lyrics, know the beats and what have you. Okay? So they put any trash on the radio in heavy rotation. And, and sooner or later, y'all be talking about, oh, that's fire, that's that's that, y'all hear that? Oh man, that's on man. It's just so easy how the human mind can be manipulated. So let me see what Quabana had to say um, about it, and let me adjust my audio again. I'm trying a new system here set up, and I don't want to uh, blast y'all, but Quabana did leave a message, uh, and you can leave one as well at seven zero four two one eight nine one nine four. Um, Kwabner's a guest and, and you might well call him a BTR News Black Talk Radio contributor. So I'm going to play his now. Yeah, I just find it interesting when Ice-T, you know, with his history, would call these rappers today soft and goofy. Maybe the goofy in too many cases, but in terms of being soft, I mean, just listen to the content of some of this music and what they're saying and the murderous lyrics, you know, the misogynistic lyrics. And I don't know if I would consider that or we should consider that soft. I would say they're dangerous, but Ice-T was dangerous. So Ice-T and his ilk around that time who were doing the gangster rap up in late 80s, mid to late 80s, early 90s, on into the 90s, 
those are the ideological, biological fathers in some cases, but ideological fathers of the what he's calling soft and goofy rap today. We call it the vile, vulgar, and violent rap today. So, yeah, I don't know what, what I see is tripping on concerning that. And, you know, he's talking about these other rappers that some of which were, you know, doing some of that golden age hip-hop that we so appreciate. But today, it's just, it's just horrible. But, hey, man, that's why we got to keep doing what we're doing. We do the Clear the Airways project, um, and this is a project that's working to get off these radio stations and these other outlets music that demeans and degrades our people, that de that calls for us to be drug addicts, that uses offensive language terms to refer to African people, disrespects our women, and calls for us to shoot and kill each other. It has to stop. So, you know, check out our, our page, cleartheairwaysproject.org, or check us out on our other social media our media outlets and work with us. Work for groups like us. We're trying to put a stop to this madness. This is psychologically damaging the masses of our people, which leads to physical damage. And uh, that's what they're pushing at self-hate. So got to do some work on that end. Peace. All right. So that, that was Quabna on the voicemail line for BTR News, giving me his thoughts because I was not able earlier um, to record our brief conversation. And so I just definitely, you know, because I look at him as authority on hip-hop. And he also got a hip-hop show um, that comes on Friday night. So if y'all follow him on uh, social media, Kwabana uh, uh, Rasuli, but um, cleartheairwaysproject.org, um, please check them out because they need some help. They need some help. And it's not about censorship. It's not like Ron DeSantis down there in Florida trying to cancel all black history and what have you and hide truths, you know. Um, and and then, you know, I bet you that dude, his forefathers probably didn't even come over here to after the Civil War and then they want to come over here and, and censor. U.S. history, but we're not talking about that kind of censorship. We ain't telling clubs not to play it, although they shouldn't play it. That's maybe the reason why they keep getting shot up. You know what I'm saying? Type of a programming that you programming the people with, right? And um, and so it, it's just very important work, but we're not talking about censorship. It just shouldn't be on the publicly licensed airways, whether we're talking television or radio. At certain hours, the rules are after 10 p.m., anything goes. Well, not anything goes, but more adult targeted content from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. You know why? Because then the, then the kids are up around 7 a.m. getting ready to go to school, what have you. Um, and then, you know, they up throughout the day and they should be in bed by 10. And these radio stations do not self-regulate. They have no moral conscience in terms of the poison that they put now over these publicly licensed, supposed to be regulated, but not regulated airways. So this is just a very serious issue. So I very much appreciate uh, Kwabana and his thoughts on Ice-T trying to call that Tracy, these boys ain't soft. Like, like Kwabana said, they dangerous, man. They dangerous. All right, so. Let me get into some of the main topic of the show. So let me just go back over what I wrote about it when I was thinking about it. So 
I want to talk about the term moral injury, which is being associated mainly with military veterans, and it encompasses symptoms. And on Black Talk Radio Network's blog page, I gave you a little graphic that shows, you know, moral injury at the center and then PTSD as a symptom, substance abuse, spiritual struggle, family conflict, anger, depression, um, others say suicide, guilt, and, you know, when it comes to the military and we hear about the suicide rates of veterans, which is higher than, you know, the average population, the civilians, as they call them, um, and they just link it to PTSD. Oh, he's just suffering from PTSD. He just got PTSD. And PTSD is not unique to the military. It's just trauma. Any kind of trauma can lead to PTSD. But they just trying, I think it's more complicated when it comes to veterans. Okay? And the things that, that they have experienced in the military. That we, because I am a veteran of a foreign war. And I just feel like it's a disservice. And I came across this term, moral injury. And the, the, how I came across it was, it's, it's an article that was sent to my email with links to other articles dealing with veteran issues. And it said, Volunteers of America offers online program to help veterans experiencing moral injury. I was like, what? Moral injury? What is moral injury? Ain't never heard of moral injury. Um, so this was published on news.va.gov. So this is from an official agency with the United States government. Why haven't I ever heard this term before? In the context of veteran suicides and dysfunction and you know, a lot of homelessness. And what, what's that all about? It's more than just PTSD. So it says the nonprofit group Volunteers of America recognizes the challenges veterans office often face in confronting moral injury, which is essentially a conflict with one's personal code of morality. For instance, a veteran may feel guilt, shame, distress, or self-condemnation for violating his or her moral beliefs in combat in combat by killing someone, witnessing death, or failing to prevent the moral acts of others. I'm going to pause right there. I have shame. I'm not going to say guilt because I recognize my low man on the totem pole position when I was in the Gulf War working in uh, the S S3, but also with the large, the 11th Signal Brigade, um, um, we created what the largest tactical communications network um, ever made, you know, during war. And um, so that's who I was with. But I wasn't on the front lines or anything like that. I didn't have to shoot nobody. I didn't see nobody getting killed. But I saw data that indicated Tens of thousands and thousands and thousands and, and of civilian deaths 
from the bombs that was dropped. Remember George H.W. Bush, president, that President Bush, the first one, talked about dropping bombs on, on Iraq for 40 days and 40 nights, trying to make a play off of an Arabian mythology or fable or whatever that's called. I've heard of, you know, the 40 thieves and all that, but we're going to drop bombs on them for 40 days. Where y'all think they were dropping them bombs, man? And I knew that. I knew what I was looking at, that these numbers were civilian deaths. These were people. These weren't all soldiers. And I felt some kind of way about that. Like, that's kind of cowardly, you know, to just fly over here, use your superior military, and just kill them, you know. Kill these people. And so I, I, I was kind of ashamed of that, that I took part in that, that I helped enable others to commit war crimes and what have you. And one of the things that I think these particular veterans deal with is the fact that if they come forth, if they become quote-unquote whistleblowers, and this could be true for the military or cops, police forces, and they witness these immoral acts and have feel this peer pressure that they'll be charged with crimes, but particularly in the military with whistleblowers. We know people, or working in the intelligence services, we know people have been jailed for becoming whistleblowers. And because the U.S. wants to maintain plausible deniability, but when it comes to immoral acts, there is no plausible deniability associated with an entity with, with the history that it has. So that's why I think I've never heard of the term moral injury. And, I, you know, I used to interview and bring these guys on, um, Iraqi veterans for peace that came out of the second Gulf War where George W. Bush, the son, came in and I think it was an estimated casualty of civilians of one million. And I believe it, and it's probably a under, a, a under, they underestimating the bodies, the body count. Not to mention the casualties that they probably still suffering from from the depleted uranium use for shells, you know, pollution. Just totally destroyed the infrastructure. And so I feel shame about partaking in that and was feeling it while it was happening. I, I, I have no reason to lie about these things, but, you know, some pe people say, I'll tell you no lie. That's probably because they be lying. But, and I talked about this on air before. I was reading Malcolm X's biography. Then I started thinking in terms of um, the person on the other side, just like me, joined the military for whatever benefits, college money, didn't want to go in debt, Say we'll go in for a few years, get some training, get some benefits, and get out. Hoping you never get sent into a war. And, and so then, both of us, him Iraqi, me being a U.S. citizen, happen to kill each other. For what? For what? For oil. And that's all it's ever been about. That's what 
most of these wars are about, these recent wars, modern wars. It's always about money when it comes to the history of the United States, taking over natural resources, uh, taking over governments so that they allow U.S. corporations and other uh, multinational corporations to come in and strip the land of resources. And those resources can be people too, labor, all of that. Not just dispossessing people of their land and then leaving behind pollution and, and other uh, ills and stuff. And so people suffer who partake in that, who are low people on the totem pole, who are not in charge and they're just following orders. This seems to affect them. And some of them go as far as to kill themselves. You know, I think the only movie I've probably ever seen and I, I tell you, I probably won't be able to remember the name. Uh, it was Charlie Sheen, I believe. And him and his squad, this was set in the Vietnam War. And they were talking about how horny they were and all this and that. And how they kidnapped this young lady from this Vietnamese village they had killed some people at. And then just spent days raping her and abusing her. And she ended up dying. And one of the soldiers, he did confront him and try to stop him, but he was unsuccessful. And then he suffered a moral injury because of that experience. That's the only movie I've ever seen that touched upon a moral injury. I would have talked it up to PTSD before I heard of this term. So what what are they saying about? what? What's the... Um, what are the scholars, what's academia saying about moral injuries? So let me pull up this clip. And how this is a short one, but then I have a longer one. And um, how clinicians define a moral injury. So let me make sure the audio looks right. When I ask clinicians how they define it what they say to me is i knew i was getting into something hard i knew i was going to work really long hours i knew i was going to see some impossibly hard things i trained for 25 years of formal education to be able to give patients the gold standard of care what I didn't know was how hard it would be for me to get the care that they need. And that's heartbreaking. So that sense of, I know what to do, but my hands are tied by the constraints in my system, is that's, that's the gut level feeling of moral injury. I see this happening and I can't stop it. that was pretty interesting it does affect certain industries or careers people in certain careers more than others and i thought it was interesting that she brought up health care again there's a political uh movement you can call it a social movement as well a social political movement to get people access to health care health care as a human right okay and then you let's say you're a doctor and you're not able to treat people because they don't have insurance, right? 
your insurer, because doctors have to have insurers, won't allow you to practice on somebody who don't have insurance. Or the firm, you know, I imagine doctors have, well, they call them doctor offices, and you have firms of doctors, and you go to these places, and you see different doctors or what have you. I, I suspect them knowing about certain cures, like say, as example, the vaccine for lung disease um, that was developed by Cuban doctors. And to know something on in the world exists such as that, and you're not able to prescribe that, that medicine, that vaccine to prevent lung cancer to your patients because of politics. Because Democrats and Republicans are still in their feelings about Cubans rejecting a U.S.-backed dictator who wanted to implement Jim Crow segregation on that island, and then instead the people chose to rebel and start a revolution and won. Okay? So you can't, this doctor can't have access to that medicine because of the embargo on stuff out of Cuba. Y'all remember doing Katrina, Cuba wanted to send some ships, medical ships, where they could take people on board, hospital beds and all of that to the Gulf. And George Bush said no, turned it down. And we know all the suffering that happened during Katrina. So these are moral injuries when, when you know that there's something in front in front of medical perspective that can help someone cure them, in fact, but yet you're only allowed to manage their symptoms and not cure them. Uh, and, and then if you delve your toe as a medical doctor into politics and advocating of lifting the embargo on Cuba so we can get these wonderful medicines that they have developed and that young people who can't afford to go to college, let alone medical school in the United States, can go to Cuba and get the training for free on the, on the condition that they go back to the communities they came from and do something like a two-year residency in that community, right? They just can't go to L.A. or wherever they pay the most for doctors and you make money. No, you got to help underserved communities, poor communities, middle-class communities, which I don't even know that such a thing exists. That that could cause moral injury, and then you don't want to speak out. Then you call yourself in your mind a coward. Man, why don't you say something? You coward because you don't want to get blackballed. You don't want to lose that salary. You don't want to lose the million-dollar house, the $500,000 car, the trophy spouse. You don't want to lose that, so you just be quiet. That could lead, in some people, to moral injury. I guess they're the ones who are unable to train themselves to become so cold and callous and abandon you know, what they say are their core, core principles. Then... You know, a person engages in deception. So it, it's just sad, but they've been studying this for a while, but it, it really started with the military. So this is from the UK King's College in London. 
Um, this a little bit longer clip, and I'm gonna use it to get get something to drink, refresh my coffee or my drink, and um and listen to this four minute clip on the history of moral injury. Uh, again, this is produced uh and distributed on YouTube by King's College, uh, based in London. Moral injury. What is it all about? What is moral injury? Moral injury refers to the intense psychological distress which can follow actions or the lack of them which strongly clash with someone's moral or ethical code. Whilst moral injuries are not mental illnesses, they can cause strong feelings of shame, guilt or anger. The history of moral injury. Moral injury is not new. It was first written about possibly as far back as the ancient Greeks. Since that time, there is continued evidence of its impact on military personnel up until the end of the Vietnam War in 1975 and, of course, in subsequent conflicts as well. Moral injury does not just affect the armed forces. Whilst the term moral injury is often linked to military service, it can affect many other occupational groups, including media professionals, social workers, healthcare staff, vets, lawyers, and aid workers, to name but a few. What causes a moral injury? Moral injuries may occur in three ways. Firstly, when an individual or someone else has done something which they should not have done. These are known as acts of commission. Secondly, when an individual or someone else should have done something, but they did not. These are known as acts of omission. Thirdly, when an individual feels betrayed by others, often by a higher authority. The spectrum of psychological difficulties. Moral injuries occur along a spectrum. Some people don't seem to be affected much at all. Others experience short-term distress with no substantial lasting impact. However, when the if-onlys and what-ifs do not go away but become more intense than a moral injury has developed, some of which develop into a formal mental health disorder. What is the impact of moral injury on mental health? Research carried out by King's College London shows that morally injured people are vulnerable to developing other mental health disorders, including PTSD and depression, and experiencing suicidal thoughts. What are the risk factors for moral injury? Certain situations make moral injuries more likely. Events involving vulnerable people, such as children or injured colleagues. People feeling unprepared for the emotional consequences of their role. A lack of social support. Or people who experience traumatic and morally challenging situations at the same time. Moral injury acts as a barrier to recovery. Unfortunately, people with moral injuries often feel ashamed, guilty or angry, which can make them very reluctant to talk about their difficulties with anyone, including clinicians. They may worry what others will think of them or even get in trouble with the law. However, because they don't speak about their experiences, they can't make sense of them, and so they don't get better. Treatment for moral injury-related ill health. Currently, there's no clearly defined way to treat moral injuries. Clinicians therefore find it difficult to provide support to those who experience them. Some psychotherapies 
may also make moral injuries worse. Currently, the most effective way to provide support or treatment for moral injuries is to help people make sense of what has happened to them. Conclusions To sum up, moral injury is not new. It's often linked to the military, but affects people from all walks of life. It's not an illness, but it can have a serious impact on people's lives and lead to a range of mental health disorders. If someone has a moral injury, they should be helped to make sense of their experience or be encouraged to seek professional help. All right, so that was from King's College and just so many things um, related to that. So many different um, career paths are related to that. They mentioned the news media. I couldn't be on mainstream media and just simply read a script. I couldn't be, what's her name, Joy Reed. I could not be, um, what's her name, um, she's the um, LGBT lady, Rachel Maddow. I couldn't watch her. I couldn't be her. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't do that good of a job of looking into this camera and just straight out reading lies to you. Because that's basically all they doing. And Maddow was particularly good at it because she smiles, she laughs. She come off as being more authentic. So her lies, you know what I'm saying, weren't easy to detect. Especially by partisan people who these cable shows are their research. That's not, you know what I'm saying? That's not research. Okay. That's a starting point, but then you're supposed to seek out alternative sources, other sources, and what have you. So I can see how a person could suffer moral injury in that field, especially people who just go into it as journalists. And, and then they learn, oh, I can't cover this shooting or I can't cover this civil rights issue. I can't cover this. Because the paper I work for or the television station I work for, the producers that I have won't green light them. You know, I can't talk about why we shouldn't go to Ukraine and and fight for them races because, you know, that's not what the company wants to hear. Because the company is also owned by another company that's making money off of the weapons being sold over there. And, and so... Yeah, I can see how somebody in the media could suffer a moral injury, and then if, especially if they stay in it. But I also took note of how it said, not a lot of people suffer from it. And that's troubling in itself because that means a lot of people really don't have a moral code. They have this face they wear of morality that they're quote-unquote good people, but they're not. And don't get me wrong, nobody's perfect. We've all done things that we're not proud of. We haven't always done the right thing, but do you show growth? Do you change your behavior so you're not doing unconstructive things? But some people, they don't care, man. They lack that moral base. I don't know if that's upbringing. I don't know if that is out other in peer influence. I don't know what it is, but it seems like not having a moral code is perfect. If you want to become a politician. Okay. And just nonchalantly vote to send billions of weapons um, that, you know, it's going to kill women, men and children. 
And right now, I would say there is no anti-war movement in the United States. Now, during the last Iraqi war, yeah, there was an anti-war movement led mostly by Iraqi veterans. There wasn't one during the Gulf War when I got sent over there. So does one exist today? No. I think it was cold pink. or I'm not seeing any material, any news media, anti-war propaganda across social media. But then social media, they could be controlling the algorithms and, and pushing that stuff lower down in the feeds and making it basically just be non-existence because they're not going to let nobody see it. Oh, that happens a lot. <laughs> Trust me, okay? As a person who's been in the media business since 2008, that's over 13 years. I know how I know how the system works. So, but moral injuries, man. Politician, that'll be a good job to go into and it, it's just it's sad that we put people in these positions and it's even sadder that we're not upfront about it because again, veterans start talking, start openly talking about that. Then you'll be giving them the Colin Kaepernick treatment. See, we supposed to just accept your thank you for your service. Oh yeah. Thank you for the, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Give me them free tickets. Uh, yeah. Give me that discount or give me a, a free meal on veterans day and all that. But, um, you know, we're not willing to talk about, the things that we saw that were wrong, whether we partic- per, uh, took any actions or not, and didn't raise any concern. I didn't raise any concern when I saw all of those civilian deaths, death toll numbers on that bomb data assessment report. I'm, I'm, I didn't really think about it till after I got out. I was only over there six months. But I, I felt a certain kind of way about it enough that I will, I had to get out and read Malcolm X's biography during the conflict. First time ever reading it, played a role in that too. Got to divulge that information, but uh, we just we just use and abuse the our so-called troops. They're not our troops. All right, these are mostly poor. Middle-class kids looking for options, looking for job skills, looking for stable stable roof over their head and eating three meals a day. It's all types of people fighting deplorable conditions of poverty that go into the military. We call it, it's not so much the volunteer military, or the, uh, it's, the, it's the poverty draft. They still drafting people. By not raising wages, by not giving us access to free public state tuition free uh state and public colleges. It's already getting tax dollars anyway. No, you gotta go into the military to get that. Wanna wanna uh help with a home loan, a mortgage, a guaranteed mortgage and all, you gotta go into the military. Cause we might need to send you to your death or kill other people. That's just the the blatant raw truth about it. When you talk like that, man, people start to alienate you socially. And that's where the anger comes in. You be angry 
about all the injustices that you see. And you know other people see it, but they close their eyes. They act like they don't. Moral injury. Yeah, I bet that's why a lot of cops and soldiers kill themselves because of the stuff that they participate in, the stuff that they do, the stuff that they see and feel powerless to do anything about it and it weighs on their conscience if they got one and it leads to mental illness. I can totally now I see the high suicide rates for both those professions in a different light. More, it's more, more uh, clear to me now. Moral injuries. All right, so let me check, see if we got any questions or comments on our voicemail line before I close out the show, but I don't really have too much more to say about it other than I'm staunchly against sending U.S. troops, sending anything from the U.S. to that right-wing fascist government in Ukraine, let alone our young people to be cannon fodder so so that corporations can take advantage of what was deemed the most corrupt nation in Europe, Ukraine. So that's my broadcast for tonight. Please uh, continue to support Black Talk Media Project. We are a nonprofit. Um, We have projects like the Black Talk Radio Network, Gaston County Community Talk, RVA Soul up in Virginia, and we're just trying to be the media that we want to see, but it takes funding. Y'all know how much they spend, and the small budgets that we've been operating on, I say we've done a lot, but we could do a lot more and do better if we just had the funding. All right, with that said, y'all stay safe behind these enemy lines. Peace and blessings to all. Thank <laughs> you.